politics. Long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government hug the government love. The government hug the government love. The government Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Trey Orndorff, a political scientist at Oklahoma Christian University. And I'm joined by the illustrious professor of law at Chase Law School, Ken Katkin. Ken, welcome to The Politics Guys Midweek Show. It is great to be back. So no comments? I mean, I, I just right there out the bat, I called you illustrious. I, I was assuming that, you know, I was going to get yeah. something for that. But no, okay, it's okay. It's yeah, okay. okay. Well, it's thank okay. you, Trey. I got I to get someone to draw an illustration of me now. <laughs> you know, we could make that maybe one of our, uh, you know, the, the logo temporarily. You know, it can be the illustrious Ken Katkin, like on a yeah. – you, you wouldn't be on the bench. You would be like the person overseeing the bench going, corrupt, corrupt. No. Uh, <laughs> Now, in all seriousness, no, what we've been doing on the midweek show, uh, Ken, for this uh, uh, supporters exclusive has been to be going through the Constitution. And so our last go through, we, you know, we've finished the main text of the Constitution. We talked about the overview of what the, gives us the first 10 amendments, what we call the Bill of Rights. And then we had dived into the First Amendment. And specifically, we just really gotten through the first portion of that minute of that which is the Establishment of Religion Clause. So I'm going to reread the First Amendment, and then we're going to be moving on to that second phrase in the First Amendment, uh, which is the, is the Exercise Clause. So this is what the First Amendment uh, says again. Quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So one of the things that we had kind of talked about just briefly last time was, I think for a lot of people, when they think of the the amendments, they kind of think, okay, you know, each amendment, there's like one thing, you know, so the first amendment could speech. I think that's what always pops into people's head. But that's actually not the first portion of the first amendment. You get, there's no establishment, which again, if you're interested in that, that's what we did uh, in our last episode. But what we're going to move on to now is that second clause, which is, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, meaning, again, the free exercise of religion. And so this has, has rendered, I mean, a lot of uh, court time and a lot of question. As a matter of fact, I, I don't know, uh, Ken, you know, again, I'm not a con law scholar to the extent that you are by any stretch of the imagination, but this is one of those ones where there has been a significant differing of opinion over the course of the Supreme Court's jurisprudence on uh, 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 the issue. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, James Madison is going to be one of the, who is the principal author of the First Amendment, by the way, kind of eloquently uh, 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 sets up his importance to this portion of it because he says, it is the duty of every man to render to the Creator such uh, homage and such only as he believes to be acceptable to him. This duty is precedent both in order of time and degree of obligation to the claims of civil society. And, and that's this kind of beautiful and wonderful issue. But as I'd like to tell my students, right, nobody, nobody debates that. Nobody ever goes to, to court over grandma's cookies. Right? <laughs> they go to court uh, because somebody says, well, yeah, and my religion allows me to ingest peyote. Or my religion right. says that, you know, I get to take a gummy before I go on the politics, guys. And that's why we have these great shows, you know. 
Um, or <laughs> I, uh, no, I didn't really ingest a gummy today. Uh, today, notice I, I'm, I'm clarifying that. Um, but uh, but you know, be those as it may. That's where things start to get a little bit more uh, uh, problematic and where the court and Congress has really had some issues, right? So what does the First Amendment in this free exercise, what are we free exercise to do? And this comes in contrast with, well, is this kind of in, this, in the vein of Madison or as we'll see later in the Supreme Court, kind of the idea of, well, you can't be forced to believe certain things, right? I've been recently reading, I don't know if you've read this book, Ken, but it's uh, uh, the, the Last King of America, where it takes a look at George III, probably an overly sympathetic look at George III, but I'll put that aside for another day. And you're right, he is the head of both the church and the state, so much so that, you know, he, during the, the, uh, 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 during the prime ministry of uh, Pitt, you know, he is deeply opposed to the idea that you could have equal rights or even any kind of real rights for Roman Catholics because it violates, in his view, the oath. So one potential view of this has often been that idea of like, well, it really doesn't have anything to do with practice. It has everything to do with what you believe. But what about when, you know, you need to then, you know, don't your beliefs have some kinds of actions that have to go into effect? And isn't this some kind of restriction on the government? Uh, which leads, I think, to maybe one of the most infamous cases, which is, you know, Reynolds versus the United States in, in 1878 where you get one of maybe the most kind of extreme governmental assaults on religious uh, freedom in that case, taking a look not at uh, uh, Catholics as in the United Kingdom, uh, but rather uh, Mormons who were deprived of the right to vote uh, and the ability of Congress to dissolve portions of the LDS church and and their property. And that kind of sets up uh, what we see today. And then, of course, you know, we've talked about this a number of times uh, for uh, exercise, you get Cantwell v. Connecticut in 1940 that eventually incorporates that right to apply to states, uh, which really ramps up the Supreme Court's having to understand on it. So there, there's kind of that basic introduction where, you know, where do you think we ought to start when you try to understand this idea of the free exercise, Ken? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with maybe a way of thinking about what it adds um, to the Constitution that we didn't already get from the, the other religion clause, the Establishment of Religion Clause. But first, I do want to just note, because it was something you ended with, uh, you, you referred to Reynolds versus the United States as kind of one of the most extreme assaults on religious freedom. And, you know, it, it is a today a, a perfectly valid, you know, legitimate um, Supreme Court precedent. It, it is still the law. And and in fact, it's, it's, it's major um, modern um, uh, proponent was uh, Antonin Scalia. He was really the one who revived it and definitely considered it to be a correctly decided case. So I did, I did find that interesting that, that you are um, uh, referring to a case that is part of the Supreme Court's current doctrine as, as one of the most extreme assaults on religious freedom. But we'll, I'll talk. Yeah, yeah. I will say, yeah. since you do bring that up, one yeah. area where uh, my civil libertarian nature uh, yeah. puts me in uh, uh, contrast with the, the court is oftentimes Times uh, Scalia's construction of uh, 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 of civil liberties. As a matter of yeah. fact, you know, for again, if this is something listeners want to explore, you know, we had that one really, I thought, one of our our, our most weirdly divided up politics guys episode, special episodes ever, where. Uh, as you know, I think Mike and Jay were taking one side, and you and I were taking the other side when it came to the the court's decision on. Uh, uh, oh my goodness! Now I'm blanking. Uh, 
because I, I came along for the, the civil libertarian ride and you did too. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember like we were kind of like surprised that we ended up on the same side. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 so, I often do have some issues with yeah. the way. So here in the Bill of Rights, you might you might yeah. find me coming in on the left a little bit. Uh, listeners, <laughs> just so, a little. Yeah. And I do want to talk about the Reynolds case at a little bit of length in a minute. But I want to start just a little bit earlier and, and, and say, um, you know, we did talk in our last episode about the establishment of religion clause and, and the, the, the establishment of religion clause, which is really um, intended to codify. Um, a certain kind of wall of separation between church and state. Now, there, we talked about all the debates about what that wall is and where it goes. Um, and you know, in the framers' mind, it may have been to keep the uh, United States government neutral so that the states could actually each establish their own religions, but not necessarily to keep the states neutral. But that, right. um, but be that as it may, the, the, the concept of a structural, some kind of structural separation somewhere, um, the establishment of religion clause was about set, setting forth separate spheres for church and for state, um, or maybe certain spheres where they could be linked and certain spheres where they couldn't be linked. Um, but it, it's not primarily about individual civil liberties. It's about setting up structures that can protect civil liberties, but it's not about directly protecting civil liberties. But the free exercise of religion clause is really the one that deals with individual rights. So, so that's really, you know, on the one hand, we have structures that keep church separate from state in some respects. On the other hand, we have that it's a free country country and every person gets a certain amount of religious freedom um, and how much religious freedom they get has, is the subject of all the Supreme Court's case law, but at least a certain amount. And I, and I like the way you sort of you know started that with sort of the core. Everybody agrees, there's just no debate about it, that at the core of the free exercise of religion, you know, besides whatever else there is, there's freedom of, of thought and belief and freedom right. of conscience. That, that, that in this country, um, the very thing that makes it a free country is that we have freedom, freedom of thought, freedom of belief, freedom of conscience, and you combine that with what it says in the next clause, which is freedom of speech, freedom of expression, right? So we we can we can think what we want and we can say what we think, and that's the that's the very core of civil liberty. And so the, the free exercise clause, in that sense, is, is very much a civil libertarian uh, provision. It's about protecting the right of the individual to um, to 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 be who they want to be and to believe what they want to believe, uh, at least in the area of uh, uh, theology. But then we get to practice. <laughs> then we get to practice because the word exercise, you know, there's a lot of uh, exercise can go beyond belief. You know, that people believe things and then people um, engage in religious practices and the practices are actual practices. They're not just beliefs. And uh, um, the Reynolds case, which you mentioned and, you know, again, which you called an extreme assault on civil liberty. And, you know, a lot of people <laughs> do think that. And I think, you know, Mormons in particular think that. Um, uh, but but it, but the Supreme Court has not rejected this view. You. No. Um, so actually, and I should add, I know you're in Oklahoma. I can't remember my geography well enough to remember if Oklahoma borders Utah or not. Nay. Nay. You got to get to Which Colorado state? first, sir. Go to go through Colorado. Well, if you go through Colorado and you go past Mesa Verde and you come out into southern Utah, do you know, you know, there's a city there called St. George, Utah. Have you, have you heard of that city? No, it's a new one. I mean. Well, St. George, Utah, St. George is George Reynolds of Reynolds versus United States. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah, he's a, he's a saint in the in the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's enough of a saint that there's a city named after him. Um, and he, and and I think he became a saint because of this case, um, you know, a, a martyred saint, I suppose, but a saint nonetheless. <laughs> so, so, so and, and this this the case arises during the period when um, uh, Utah, Utah had been part of Mexico. And um, in fact, Brigham Young uh, uh, took the Mormons there 
to get them out of the United States. He actually took them to Mexico. I think and that's one thing people don't realize is how far Mexico came up and that whole idea to get out of the United States. Now, yeah, to get out of the United States. That's the very reason the Mormons moved. I guess they had moved a few times before. They started out uh, near near Rochester, New York, and then they'd come out near Cleveland, Ohio, and then out to uh, Nauvoo, uh, Illinois. And then, and then after then, that, then, was, then, was, was now we think of as Utah. Yeah, and then to Utah, and I think yeah, and I think it might have already been called Utah then. The Ute Indians were there, but it was not in the United States. And, and the reason that um, uh, Brigham Young took the Mormons out of the United States was because uh, under 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 Joseph Smith's teachings, their their founder was Joseph Smith, and um, he taught that um, it was it was preferable for men to be polygamous. That there were actually levels of heaven. That the Mormons could go to, and the high you could only go to the higher levels if you had at least um, uh, three wives, and if you had seven wives, you could go to an especially high level, and and so this was this was part of Joseph Smith's theology. Now I'm going to pause um, you right there for just yeah. a second, Ken, because what I'm going to yeah. say is before you get yourself in trouble with your wife, yeah, or me in trouble with my wife, I'm just going to say that this is actually going to be the end of our uh, uh, our free uh, and supported version of the show. So if you'd like to listen to the rest of what happened. If you're curious about convincing your significant other that you need to have seven spouses, yes. you're going to need to become a supporter of the show. No, but more seriously, if you want to know the rest of what we're going to be talking about here uh, as it comes to the, uh, as the Supreme Court's understanding of the uh, free exercise clause, uh, you're going to need to become a supporter of the politics guy. So this ends the, ad, the, the free ad-supported preview of that show. And I'd love for you to come along for the rest of the ride, because not only do you get the rest of this show, not only do you get the rest of what Ken is just, was just going to be talking about, what the rest of I was going to be talking about, you get all of the shows that we've done. Uh, that includes from me and Ken and Jay and Mike. We would love to have, in May, we would love to have you be a part of those. So if you want to finish off this episode, it's going to just take you a couple of seconds. All you got to do is head to patreon.com slash politics, guys. Select that first level of support. There's other things you can get, but get that first level of support. And you're going to be able to get that, uh, the rest of this supporters exclusive show. Now, the other cool thing is, of course, you're going to get it without any ads, right? You've already had to listen to some ads. And, and, and let's be honest, ads are terrible. Nobody wants ads. So head to patreon.com slash politics, guys, select that package and listen to the rest of the show. Get caught up. Listen to our earlier shows. They're timeless. This is about the Constitution. I mean, you know, we're not a dictatorship. This isn't China. So take a look at all of that. There's other ways to support the show as well to get access. You can support us on Venmo where we're at politics, guys. You can also support the show through PayPal. Again, all of those support links are in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. So just head down there to the show notes. Head to patreon.com slash politics, guys. You know you want to know the rest of this, and we'd love to have you. There's other really cool things you get to be a part of, too, just like the Discord group uh, and, and, and many others. Again, head to patreon.com slash politics, guys. Again, right there in the show notes. Click it. Two clicks away. You are two clicks away from the illustrious Ken Catton, Ken Katkin, finishing his conversation with me, and I'd love you to be a part of that. Now, if you've got a question, a comment, correction, or anything else, you can always reach us at mail at politicsguys.com. We're also on Facebook and X, where you can see those in the show notes. So finally, though, whether you're a supporter or not, we would really appreciate it if you can subscribe, rate, or review us in the podcast app of your choice. So please do that now. 
The executive producers of The Politics Guys are Bruce Johnson, Wilma Marino, Andra Mascar, Daniel Toe, Ryan Beasley, Don Oglesby. We'll be back with a new episode next weekend. I hope you'll join us then.